2: Worker of yours. All right, today we're going to talk about some of my favorite little friends buzzing in the background, bees. And look, I get it. First off, insects. Second, stingers. Some people, not fans. But maybe you should be, because they're cool and they do a lot for us. And some of these answers you're going to hear, I already know, but some of these I don't. So I've got questions. Uh, the Bee Show. Welcome. You know, not too long ago, had a bee land on me. Highlight of my day. It meant me no harm. I meant it no harm. Just kind of hung out for a couple minutes and f- flew away. Big fan of the black and yellow stripes, and so is our guest.
1: My name is Tor Hansen, and I am an author and biologist. And my books include "Buzz: The Nature
2: and Necessity of Bees." Okay, so how necessary, how important are bees? A
1: great way to answer that question is with another question, and that is, you know, what did you have for breakfast or, or what did you have for lunch or dinner, in that bees are responsible for as much as one out of every three bites of food in the human diet. And not just the quantity of food, but the quality, the spices and the sauces and things that make
2: foods interesting. Many of those things are pollinated by bees. You want the way back example? Think of a dinosaur chomping on a fern or some leaves. That picture at the museum, that painting, not a lot of flowers in there.
1: Yeah, isn't it fascinating to think about a world without bees? Of course, we had a world without bees, the whole first part of the history of this planet was a bee-free world. It wasn't until about 120 million years ago that bees came along. And as you pointed out, they came along at just the right moment to take advantage of this new resource in the flora, in the nature of the planet, the flowering plants, bees evolved from the wasps to take advantage of this new resource and the co-evolution of bees and flowers drove diversity on both sides of the equation
2: and that's how it happened the wasps they stuck to meat and then the bees they went after the flowers
1: yeah wasps are hunters i mean if you're being harassed at a picnic And you find these uh, striped insects going after the fried chicken or the bologna. Well, don't blame bees in that situation (laughs) because your attackers are certainly wasps. They're looking for protein to take back home to feed their young back at the nest.
2: Yeah, he says the bees are the hippies. They like the flowers. They have long hair to transport the pollen back home. How many types a lot. 20,000 types of bees.
1: The majority of bees live very different lifestyles. They don't have these these big nests that they are defending. Most of the bees in the world
2: are solitary creatures. It's basically a mom and a few kids. Think of it that way. We are going to spend some time on honeybees, but also a quick differentiation because sometimes you hear bumblebee as interchangeable. No, I call bumblebees the big boys. They are the big, slow fuzzy ones, honeybees, they're not as chunky. We want to talk about them. We're going to do that. So let's go into the hive. Who goes out? Who stays? It's hard to keep it all straight, isn't it? It's a really complex society. and
1: They're native to Africa, Europe, and Asia, probably 11 or maybe 12 or 13 Species in the wild, you've got one queen that is uh, the mother of all of the other bees in that colony, and it's a big, big group of bees. You can have ten thousand, twenty thousand, forty, even fifty thousand or more individuals living
2: in the same hive. Her daughters, those are the worker bees. You see a bee flying around? It's probably a girl and they go through different phases. They tend to the
1: larvae, the other bees being raised up in the hive, feeding them, caring for them and so forth. Cleaner bees that do the maintenance in the hive. There are guard bees that watch the entrance. And then there's this really important stage where they go out and become workers, out looking for flowers. And this is where we start to see all these fascinating
2: behaviors. Oh, this is the good part, the dance.
1: It's a remarkable behavior. People couldn't figure this out until... Like, what is uh, it doing? (laughs) Really, the middle part of the 20th century when they really figured out that, in fact, they're dancing to show one another the distance to a good source of flowers and also show the quality of the flowers. And so you have different bees coming back to the hive, doing different dances, trying to sort of, you know, advertise how good their flower source is and drawing their sisters into following them off to those places to gather those resources and bring them back. You know who we haven't mentioned? The guys. The uh, drone bees that are the male bees in the hive that are the layabouts. They don't do any of the, the hard work of the hive. They're really produced... Only
2: for reproductive purposes. They've got big eyes, so they can find the queen bees. No stingers, and they're a little bigger. That's how you tell the difference. Mentioned this earlier, lots of people don't like bugs. But we have stuffed animal bees and bees on shirts and bee cartoons. We don't do this for flies. So why do you think there seems to be at least a connection that's closer to us? My theory, in part, is honey. (laughs) Oh, you're right on it. I mean, when we think about bees now
1: and our sort of scientific and pollination sort of hats on, um, we forget that these things have been precious to human societies since the very beginning. They've always been among all the insects, perhaps the most special, the ones that we keep closest. And I think you really hit upon it when you look at the importance of honey in that before the advent of modern refined sugar, honey was the sweetest thing in the human diet. And on top of that, not just the honey that was valuable, but the wax of those combs was used in all sorts of ways from, you know, Neolithic dental fillings to candles, you know, the, the most clean burning source of light that we had uh, for ages was from the wax
2: from honeybees. All right, couple more minutes, couple more things, fact or fiction, they don't want to sting me, right? I mean, I'll pick them up, I'm not scared, but also I'm not allergic, so I get it. Oh, it's a great point that the bees really
1: are quite peaceful creatures. If you look at the bees that are most likely to sting and where they're most likely to sting, they're the bees that have a lot to defend. You're too close to the hive. It's a very situational thing, and when you're out on your own on your park bench and a bee lands upon you, almost always, if you just behave calmly, they're most likely to leave you undisturbed.
2: And does the bee die? after the sting? Because I used to hear that.
1: Yeah. So for honeybees, that is true that the male bees will die after mating. And also true that for honeybees, the females will die after stinging. Next, you ever wonder why you don't see them at night? For most bees, they need daylight to see their visual creatures. Also temperature, they tend to stay uh, out of sight after hours. And in fact, you can find sometimes bees that have stayed out too late camped out on flowers, waiting for the next day when it warms up and gets light again so that they can continue on their way. And they're great navigators, so they know how to get home again. They just need the right conditions to fly.
2: Finally, what can we do for them? Because we hear about these colonies collapsing, worries about the population of, of pollinators. Oh, the colony collapse disorder is a
1: fascinating story. It really burst upon the scene in 2006 when we saw huge losses in commercial honeybee hives. There's never been
2: a smoking gun. What we seem to be experiencing is sort of a crisis of bee health. There's pesticides. There's pathogens. Also, we changed how we farm. There's fewer small variety farms. There's larger one-crop farms. Those can become deserts for the bees when they're not in bloom. But if you want to help bees, you could do it in your backyard. You
1: could do it in a window box. You need to plant more flowers
2: and reduce the use of pesticides. You do that, and you can see some changes pretty fast.
1: I can tell you as a biologist, this is an extremely rare thing to experience, that
2: sort of instant gratification in conservation work. Put out the food, they'll come buzzing on by. This one's a bumblebee, big boy. Thanks for listening. I'll get to work on next week. And as always, you can send me some questions. I've got questions at odyssey.com. Bye-bye.